Welcome to the Monetary Mixtape with Will Hoffman, founder of Hoffman Wealth Management. In this podcast, we help fellow Gen Xers simplify complex wealth issues that are important to Gen X. We do this by cutting out the mundane material and using a refreshing approach to finances in a way this skipped generation appreciates. Join us for this ride where we explore financial planning and wealth management as Will Hoffman draws from almost 20 years of experience and brings to you qualified guests to help be your latchkey to tricky monetary affairs. Welcome to Monetary Mixtape with your host, Will Hoffman, where we talk about the ever-forgotten Generation X. I'm Wendy McConnell. So we've been talking about colleges for the last couple of episodes, and we're going to continue with that today, right, Will? Yes, we're going to wind up our education planning and funding series with uh, kind of, I don't want to say the boring stuff because this is what I do every day, but it's the... The ways to save for college, the different types of an accounts you can use, the pros and cons of each, um, and and maybe some things on how to make your decision there. Um, you know, we've we've we're going to recap a little bit about the things we did talk about um, over the last couple of episodes. Had some really high quality guests with some really really good information um, that we want to recap quickly and and go into the conversation about the types of an accounts you can use. Okay, so what? What is it that we want to recap? Well, we had um, we had Tina Steele was our first guest from uh, the FAFSA guru, the FAFSA guru herself. And uh, she kind of just, everybody had the same point, start early, start early, start early. And, and that was her message when it comes to the FAFSA. Start early. FAFSA? FAFSA is the, the free application for federal student aid. Okay, thank you. Um, and you know, how important that is to, to get a student or a financial aid package from a, a school or university. And it doesn't matter your income, right? Everybody needs to fill this form out. Right. Let me, re- let me rephrase that. It's not required. Everybody should fill this form out. Exactly. That way, you know what you're eligible for. And if it's nothing, she's very instrumental in helping with the appeals process um, and, and getting the most from a school and a university um, and it really tied into to the guest. I'm going to skip around here for a second that we had last with Roger Laurel from the College Collegiate Funding Solutions, which is our partner in helping families plan for education. They've built a great program that's a tremendous resource for our families and our clients to uh, analyze what schools are offering what, how to use the aid package as a bargaining chip when it comes to you know, for lack of a better word, negotiating with the schools uh, that your child would like to go to and and how to get the best aid package to try to leave school with the least amount of debt possible and to to maximize your assets and how they're allocated and what you can do to, to get the most uh, for your child when it comes to the price on an education. And then we had Jack Delahy, our um, our admissions coach and not just helping you save for or save on education, but how to pick a school, how to uh, start putting that list together in your freshman year. And again, Jack's message, start early, get started in this process as soon as you're a freshman, even if it's just starting with the, um, the list and where you'd like to go to school, the size of the school, 
um, not even necessarily the programs you, that you want to study. He did talk about the the importance of being undecided and and how that's not necessarily a negative, and how to navigate that when you're filling out your applications. And it was a little surprising. He suggested um, having eight to ten schools that you apply to. Yes, was a lot. Yeah. Right, because you know, like he suggested, with his folks who were who were Gen Xers, and and like most of our experiences, we applied to two. Um, and we That's... applied to two and we went to the one that we, we got into and, you know, it's a lot easier to apply now with, with, um, you know, electronic applications. And, you know, that's why we only applied it to, we had to handwrite every application and, and every essay, it. right. And pay for it. <laughs> and he did offer, if you check out the episode, he did offer a great, uh, tip when it comes to the application fee. So make sure you check that out, um, in the episode with Jack, um, Delahy, who, if you remember, he was doing something really awesome. Um, he was going into the woods uh, on a dopamine fast, just taking a notebook and some water and crackers and, and going to uh, reset his mind. He has reported back. We're going to try to get him on another episode, but he's okay. He's made it out of the woods. He did say that it's a little dangerous where your uh, where your thoughts go sometimes when you're that bored, but it's what's necessary sometimes to, to uh, free our mind of some of the stuff that we have going on sometimes. Now he was, uh, he did this for 24 hours, 24 hours, um, into a cabin in the woods, um, in Colorado with a notebook to journal, um, water and crackers. And that was about it. And, so did he and, tell you any of the benefits he felt he received from doing that? Well, he just said it, it was a great reset for his mind to, okay. to kind of maybe work through some of the, you know, and, and we're all at, at a place where our minds are, are occupied all the time. Yes. Um, and, and with the um, enhancements of technology, we're never away from it. Nope. And it, it was nice for him to, he said, to just get away from all of that, reset his mind, come out of there with a, with a clean slate and and get after it and continue to grow his business. And um, both he and Tina, great folks to follow if you're in this education planning process. They both have tremendous programs that, that you can register for and work through to get the most out of your FAFSA, to get the most out of your college program or your, your admissions program and, and picking a school. Um, my boys aren't to that point yet, but I know that that we will be engaging them both when it's time. We're going to recommend to our clients that they engage them both and, and again, work through them because this is, this is very important. Um, it, it's a very important topic. We know that the burden of student debt is tremendous and it's a hot topic of conversation all the time and when you're planning for this. So it's a way for us to help our clients and help Gen X families really get the most out of their dollars when it comes to education planning and setting their kids up for, for the future. So when we're talking about ways to save for college, when should we start to plan for that? Well, <laughs> you're, you're going to notice a common theme um, early. as early as possible, as early <laughs> as possible. And some options you can start even before you have children that we'll get into here in, in a second. But it, it's it's kind of funny going over this uh, before we get into the types of an accounts and things. You know, recapping like this, I, I don't know if you, if you have the same memories that I do, Wendy, of of growing up in, in your favorite sitcoms. They would always have these recap episodes. Mm. Um, I, the one that is coming to mind is, uh, I don't know if you remember Saved by the Bell. When they worked at the at the 
beach club in the summer. And then they had the recap of all the things that happened over the summer and the re I don't know. I was just thinking of that. And was it like a clip show? Yeah. We yeah. had the favorite clips from, yep. from previous episodes and all of the sitcoms used to do that. Yeah. And we haven't talked about sitcoms yet when it comes to the, the pop culture reference of the, uh, of the eighties and nineties and, and even seventies. Did, did you have a favorite sitcom that, that you followed or, or never missed? When it, you know, when you couldn't miss or you didn't see it until it came out on reruns and didn't have the luxury of just watching it a few hours later on Netflix or, or recording. Well, I, I do think that um, Growing Pains was a huge yes. one for me. I loved Kirk Cameron. I thought he was, you know, just the sweetest thing. And I loved Tracy Gold because mm -hmm. she's so cool and just the way she went, Madonna, <laughs> in the beginning of that. <laughs> Speaking of Kirk Cameron, what a talented family. Um, because I grew up, I kind of had a crush on his sister, Candace Cameron, who was yeah. on Full House. And and yep. you know what? We do we need a reboot of Growing Pains. We had a reboot of Full House. We're seeing a reboot of that 70s show right yeah. now, that 90 show. Night Court has been rebooted. Yes. Um and the, the, the girl from Big Bang Theory is playing the judge yes. now. Yes. You you know Alyssa Rush. What would be a great great reboot what and maybe we could finally get to the bottom of the, the most popular question of the 80s who's the boss <laughs> who really was the boss? i i think i don't know i think it was mona mona was definitely <laughs> running the show <laughs> you could think tony you could think angela but I, I think mona was really the one who was in charge yeah i i might have to agree with you on that you know supposedly it was angela but you know Tony wasn't a very subservient employee. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but I, I do think that, that a reboot of Who's the Boss or Alf, it'd be kind of nice to know what happened to Alf. He only had four yeah. seasons, and and uh, it'd be nice to know what happened to... Do you know what Alf's real name was? You remember that? No. Gordon Shumway. Okay, I do remember that now. <laughs> now that you say that, hey, here's another really good one. Give me a break. Remember that show? Yes. Oh yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah, that was. Uh, you know, it's probably something that that the '80s and that we had. You know, I don't know if sitcoms are. I don't have the time to watch sitcoms now, but when I do, I'm going back and watching. You know, on Netflix or Hulu or something, the the ones from when we were kids. You know, I feel like there's something lacking in the 80s sitcoms. So there's not that many that stand out in my mind. Like the 70s, yes, the Brady Bunch. We had right. Happy Days. We had Lauren and Shirley. And then 90s, you know, we had Frasier. We had Friends. We had The Office, you know. Fresh I, Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, yes. yes. One of my one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. And it's not really a sitcom, but was huge, 90210. Yeah. That was 90s. That um, was my wife's 40th birthday theme was Beverly Hills 90210. Oh, that sounds so fun. So, yeah, I think it was a little lacking in the 80s yeah. when it comes to memorable television. The late though. 80s, it's kind of got started. The Wonder Years, we could reboot the Wonder Years. With yeah. The, the well, they have reboots. Have they? Oh, yeah, they've done a reboot of the Wonder I've Years. i got to get into that. Yeah, yeah. One of the best final episodes of a sitcom that I can recall, the Wonder Years. Yeah, that, I didn't and, watch and Fresh that Prince. show. Fresh Prince and the Wonder Years, those final episodes are two that stick with me all the time. yeah. I was a big Fresh Prince fan, for yeah. sure. Especially with uh, Will being from Philly. Yes. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so we, I mean, we could go on and on and on about the sitcoms of, we sure of could. growing up. But let's get let's get back to why folks are, are tuning in and to talk about some 
types of accounts that you can establish to save for your child's education. Um, there are three popular ones that always get discussed. And of course, you don't have to use any of these. Let's let's um, start there. You can save on your own. You can save in a traditional investment account. You can save in a savings account and checking account, whatever, you know, so I would say that before we get into the types of an account, if you are planning on helping your child save for college, starting to save and save early is the most important thing you can do, regardless of the type of an account that you decide to use. Um, but there are some some types of an accounts that you can use to save in that will, um, that have some tax benefits to them, um, that have some, um, you know, enhancements when it comes to how you use the money. So that that's what we're going to get into today. But we want to make sure that you do understand saving is what's most important if you are planning on helping your child pay for school. But there are particular accounts that are geared toward making the most of this. Correct. Situation. Okay, so let's hear about those. So the first that we're going to talk about, it, it seems to be the one that, that we get a lot of calls about um, is a 529 plan. Now, a 529 plan, um, these are operated and sponsored by different states or education institutions. So, um, for example, we're in Pennsylvania. State of Pennsylvania has their, their 529 plan. Um, Ohio has theirs. West Virginia has theirs. Um, they are, you're not required to use your states. You can use whichever state you think fits best when it comes to your investment planning. But one thing to understand is, is how that money is taxed when it comes out depends on the state plan that you're using and the state that your child goes to school in. That's that's where the the tax benefits lie. And it's important to consider that, you know, and when you start saving, when, when, you know, your baby's born and you say, I got to start saving for college, you have no idea what school no. what state your, your child is going to go to school. And You're so, going to Ole Miss. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and if you grew up me, you were going to Penn state. So, and that didn't happen again, another show we could digress, <laughs> but let's stay focused. Uh, well, right. Um, but they, and they'll offer additional tax incentives for um, using the plan in the state that your, your child goes to school in. So understanding that, um, you can transfer from state to state. Again, some of the minutiae that, that gets into the, the specifics, we want to stay a, a bit general here. Um, when it comes to a 529 plan, your contributions are made with after-tax dollars. So it's there's no, um, there's no tax incentive to contribute to the plan, um, at least federally. Earnings will grow tax-free, very similar to a retirement plan, a 401k. You're not paying taxes on dividends. You're not paying taxes on capital gains inside of the plan. One thing to understand about a 529 plan, and really all three of the, the accounts we're going to discuss, your contributions are treated as gifts. Um, so what that means is there is a, a cap or a gift exclusion that you're going to want to consider. And these are some things you would work through with your accountant or your financial advisor when it comes to um, what you're contributing. But we are capped when it comes to the annual gift tax, um, it's $17,000 per donor per year. So if you're married, you can contribute $34,000 jointly per beneficiary into a 529 plan. And that, that's where that word is important. And we're going to get back to that in a second. 
One other thing to think about with a 529 plan is a new feature that was introduced um, as part of the Secure Act 2.0, which has been governing and making impacts on retirement plans, is that starting in 2024, Secure Act 2.0 gives a 529 plan beneficiary the ability to transfer the funds left in a 529 plan into their own Roth IRA without taxes or penalties. Now, there is some criteria that requires you to be eligible. One is the 529 plan must have been open for a minimum of 15 years. The owner of the Roth IRA must be the beneficiary of the 529 plan. That rollover is subject to the requirement that a Roth IRA owner have includable compensation. So they have to be working. They have to have W-2 or 1099 or earned income. Contributions made to the 529 plan in the last five years are ineligible for a tax-free transfer. And then any transfers you make from the 529 plan to the Roth, they will count against your yearly Roth IRA cap. So you can't be contributing to your Roth IRA and also roll some of this money over. And then there is going to be a lifetime maximum of $35,000. Now, what we know about adjustments and policy changes like this is they're probably going to change again. So make sure that as you are saving and accumulating, if you're using a 529 plan, you're paying a little bit of attention to this, this new caveat to the rule. It is a nice feature that allows us to also use 529 plans as sort of a retirement plan alternative if the money's left over. And if our kids are using what Tina and Jack and Roger have, have kind of educated with along the way, hopefully some of this money will be left over and will allow us to take advantage of this option. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're listening to the Monetary Mixtape because you want to learn about financial planning and wealth management. If you have any questions at the end, please head over to www.hoffmanwealth.com or look in the show notes to schedule a call with us. So you can gift up to five years in advance. So $85,000 per person or $170,000 if you uh, file married filing jointly and treat it as a gift. So there are some gift exclusions that can be confusing. It's something to make sure that you're working through with your tax consultant and your financial advisor. 529 plans become tremendous estate planning tools for older generations. So Gen X, if your parents are trying to look at, at some estate planning options and you have kids that are, are you're saving for, have a conversation about a 529 plan. It's a way for them to gift money to, to help with their estate process and help uh, future generations. So it's, it's something to consider as well. That's great. I mentioned that beneficiary was an important word there. This is when I mentioned this is the type of an account that you could even start saving in before you have children. Okay. Because you can change the beneficiary on a 529 plan. So, for example, Wendy, if you wanted to start saving before your kids were born, you could make yourself or your spouse the beneficiary, put money into the 529 plan, then change the beneficiary when it's time to transfer the funds, transfer the funds or, or pay for the school. Okay. They are, you, you do get the tax-free distributions when you're, when the withdrawals are for qualified expenses. So tuition, room and board, fees, books, computers, anything related to um, schools, to special needs, to room and board, 
that does also include off-campus housing. So um, you have to be, I believe you have to be a part-time student, or at least half-time student, if it counts for off-campus off housing. Um, withdrawals are also allowed for qualified K through 12 in some states. So um, if you're paying for private elementary, private high school, those 529 plan distributions can be used there also. In some okay. states, make sure you're checking with your state plan or the state plan that you're using. Any non-qualified withdrawals will be subject to federal tax and a 10% federal tax penalty as well. So um, then whatever state and local tax that, that you have to deal with. You, you So you're going to want to make sure you work through that if you have a 529 plan and FAFSA guru and Jack Delahy get you to a place with low college expenses or a scholarship and you work through our, our program um, through the collegiate funding solution, there may be some tax benefits. Again, probably something you're willing to pay um, to, to lower the price on school. So it's something to, to make sure you understand. Okay. No age restriction unless it's per, uh, imposed by um, the 529 plan. And again, one thing to understand here with the 529 plan, every state's plan is different. So you're going to want to make sure that you're analyzing the plan of the state that you live in. Some of the things we talked about may not be available. There may be other benefits that aren't available. We're being very general when it comes to a 529 plan because they're so unique based on the states that they're offering. The investment options are, are different in each one um, because they're controlled by the state. So make sure that you're analyzing them, comparing state by state, working through um, when we work through this with our clients, we're comparing multiple state plans and trying to analyze what the best is for our client situations. Okay. So uh, tell me about the other plans. So another one is a Coverdell education savings account. I guess the best way to, to compare this is 529 plan is very similar to our 401k. Mm -hmm. And a Coverdell is very similar to our individual retirement accounts or IRAs or Roth IRAs. In that in the Coverdale account, you aren't you aren't limited based on program rules. You aren't limited based on state guidelines or state investment options. You can invest in whatever you want. So it doesn't um, have to be specifically used for school. Well, let me no, 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 no. When I say invest, you can pick your own portfolios or your own investments inside a Coverdale account. Okay. Um, in a, in a 529 plan, you get a menu of investment options based on the state program that you're using. Okay. So um, again, like of a 529 contributions are made with after-tax dollars, earnings are growing tax-free and they come out federal tax-free when they're used for qualified education expenses. Contributions, again, treated like gifts. And even though the gift exclusion applies, one little caveat to a Coverdell account is you're capped at $2,000 a year. Very, very low threshold of what you can put into a Coverdell IRA or a Coverdell education savings account. Okay. Withdrawals, again, qualified withdrawals or tuition, room and board, books, fees, supplies, equipment. Um, withdrawals also can still be used for K through 12 education. Um, and any non-qualified withdrawals, are subject to the same taxes. Beneficiary can change, can be changed to another member of the beneficiary's family, just like the covered or the, just like the 529 plan, excuse me. The one thing is, the one difference is contributions can only be made until the beneficiary reaches age 18. And after that, the account 
must be distributed 30 days after the beneficiary reaches 30. So there's a there's an age range that you have ah. to go to school or use the, the money by, which is a little different than the 529 plan. Gotcha. Okay. And one thing to know about the Coverdell, there are income phase outs. So um, high net worth, high income earners, if you're earning over $190,000 in a household, um, you're going to start being limited on how much you can put into a Coverdell. And then if you're earning over $220,000, can't put anything in. So there are some some limitations to who can put into the Coverdell. Again, most important is to to get professional advice, work through your financial advisor, work through your accountant to make sure that, that you're qualifying for, for the plan. Okay. So what um, is the last? So the last is, plan? is um, depending on what rule your state uses is either what's called the uniform gift to minors account or act and the uniform transfers to minor act. So either an UGMA or UTMA for short. And again, it all depends on which state term your your or which term your state is is comfortable with or, or requires you to use. Again, contributions made with after tax dollars. The difference with these types of accounts though is they could be taxed. That all depends on your tax situation. It could depends on your your child's tax situation because this is a gift. This is the child's money. There's going to be a guardian or custodian that makes decisions until either 18 or 21 or 23, again, depending on what the state rules are, but this is the child's money. Um, the reason that's important to say is if the law in your state is 18, at 18, you have a freshman in college that this is now their money. So you can't um, back from them. Correct. Now, all the Gen X parents I know um, doing a high quality job, know that the kids are going to use the money the right way, but- just to make sure you understand, this is the child's money once they hit the age determined by either the UGMA, Uniform Gift to Minors Act, or the UTMA, Uniform, Uniform Transfer to Minors Act law in your state. All the annual gift exclusions still apply, so it's $17,000 per donor or $34,000 if you're married filing jointly. Taxed, and this is taxed, again, based on you or your child's individual tax situation. So... Um, there's not a ton of opportunity for tax deferral. Um, but what there is, is a lot of flexibility. No restrictions on what the distributions can be used for. So if uh, if you get a scholarship, if you get an athletic scholarship, if you qualify for a lot of merit aid, um, use the Collegiate Funding Solution Program and are able to find a, a score university that is a buyer and offering a lot of, of uh, financial aid in the package. Um, now the lim the limit there's no limits on or taxability um, to what you take this account out for or take the, the funds out of the account for. So want a car, want to travel to Europe on spring break, want to save it to use to buy a house when they're 30. there's no um, there's no restrictions to, to what happens with this money. One thing, and this is an important thing to understand for the guardian or the custodian or the one making the decisions, the funds must be used for the benefit of the minor once they go into the account. So there's an element of fiduciary responsibility for the custodian or the guardian in this case have to be used for the benefit of the minor until they reach age of majority. 
And this is another account, the beneficiary cannot be changed. So once the gift is made and once it's in the, the child's name, that's their money. Wow. Custod custodianship terminates when the beneficiary reaches the age, again, depending on state law, either 18 or 21. Mm. So <laughs> no income restrictions. Um, anybody can open this account. Anybody can can gift to the account. But again, it's it's a popular account to be used because of its flexibility um, and because of the... Um, the options that that exist there. And what we do know about Gen X is we do like to keep our options open. We do like flexibility um, and we do like to be as, as mobile as possible. So as with most things, uh, right. which savings account you prefer or choose to use will be highly determined by what your specific situation is. Yes. Yes. To, to generalize and, and ask which account should I use it involves a lot more conversation than just listening to this podcast right. or than just watching a YouTube video or, you know, doing your own independent research. Yeah. Make so sure you're understanding the benefits, the, the pros and cons of each and making your decision uh, from that. So if people do have some questions that they want to ask you, Will, how do, um, how do we get in touch? As always, HoffmanWealth.com is our website. There's a link right there that says, let's talk. You can fill that out. It comes right to my inbox and we can schedule a call. There's an opportunity right there to schedule a call that fits your schedule and ours. Um, very active on LinkedIn. Feel free to message me there and ask a question. You can always call the office, number 724-522-5411. Um, and, and me or my assistant, Katie, can um, you know schedule some time or have a, a, a in-depth conversation with you there. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you for joining us today on Monetary Mixtape. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Don't bounce just yet. The streetlights haven't come on. Thank you for listening to the Monetary Mixtape podcast. If you thought this episode was dope, then click the follow button to be notified when we drop a new episode. Visit our website at hoffmanwealth.com or give us a call at 724-522-5411. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hoffman Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Private Advisor Group, a registered investment advisor. Private Advisor Group and Hoffman Wealth Management are separate entities from LPL Financial. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly.